0: It's Friday, it's just after 11 o'clock and welcome to another edition of the Daytime Show presented by Valerie Gold, that's me, and Marlene Halliday. Today we have an edition of the daytime show that's very much focused on culture and music. You're going to hear from three different sets of guests. First of all, you'll hear from Iona Fife, who is a very talented and award-winning traditional Scottish singer. She's also a great campaigner, for the Scots language and you'll hear all about that in her interview. We'd like to also remind you that Iona has a crowdfunder just now which you can access via her social media on Facebook and on Twitter and we would urge you to support that. After that we'll be hearing from a writer Colin Burnett and Colin also has a book coming out on the 1st of June again if you look at Indie Live social media you can find links to find out more about that and you'll hear all about it in his interview finally we're going to be talking to Francis McKee and Cathy Hanaway from a great new group called Singing for an Independent Scotland and that was all to do with an idea that Francis McKee came up with, and you'll hear them talking very inspiringly about that during their interview. We hope you'll enjoy today's show. So, we're absolutely delighted to have Iona Fife with us today. Hello, Valerie. And Marlene is here as well. Marlene. Oh, and Marlene as well. Hello.
1: Yeah, hi. Hiya. Nice to meet you, Iona.
0: So we're big fans of your music, we've heard you singing quite a lot recently, you've been on singing at lots of events recently, although we haven't, well I don't know about you Marlene but I haven't had the pleasure yet of hearing you sing live, Iona, oh. um, we are big fans of your music, so um, we, we already played one of your songs last week, we did a, an International Women's Day special and we played the Wild Geese because um, it was just released. Uh, do you want to talk to us a little bit about that song, The Wild Geese,
2: was released yes. on the 5th of March? Is that right? Aye, that's right. So I've I've loved this song for years, and The Wild Geese was originally a poem written by the Angus poet Violet Jacob, somebody who I think is really kind of overlooked when it comes to Scottish poetry. And um, it was put to melody by the revivalist folk singer Jim Reid. And um, I've always wanted to sing this this song. I've done other Violet Jacob songs like Baltic Streets and The End of It, and a lot of them have been turned into beautiful songs. But The Wild Geese, I just I've heard Aitken singing it at the Keith TMSA, and I thought it was beautiful. And uh, I finally kind of just decided to to record it with my band, and we put it out as a single um, last last month, and it. It correlated with a very special day when Spotify added Scots as a language so all came out on the same day and it was brilliant.
0: Absolutely wonderful and that was the next topic that we were going to speak to you about because that was really quite an amazing coup that you pulled off oh. um, I believe um, you'll tell us more about what happened was that you want, when your songs, which are nearly all written in Scotland, you sing in Scots, you, you weren't able to list them on Spotify. You had to put them to, as English and you took them on and got them to change their minds. So tell us a bit about how that started and how you managed to pull off that a
2: considerable feat. Um, yeah, well, last December I was releasing a Scots translation of the Christmas Carol in the bleak Mm midwinter and I was loading it up to Spotify. Um, because you know, artists can do a lot of uh, the back end stuff themselves nowadays. nowadays, And um, when you submit the song, it asks what language is it in. And I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and I found Manx and Cornish and Welsh and Irish Gaelic and Gaelic. It's great that those languages were listed. I found other minority languages, like the languages that are spoken in Guernsey and Jersey. But for the life of me, I couldn't find Scots. And I thought it must be a mistake because there's, there's thousands of songs in Scots. If you think of all the ballads and folk songs um, from, you know, from the 50s onwards. You know, there's a huge archive of Scots songs on Spotify and note that it wasn't there. So I, you know, I tweeted them and I mailed them and I got fobbed off with a lot of um, kind of robotic responses. Oh. And then I decided to kind of write an open letter and I invited folk for a Scots language community and also a folk music community to kind of join in with me and put pressure on them. And Spotify tweeted back saying, "Okay, we're looking into this." And that was in December. And come February time, it still wasn't changed, and you still couldn't list, you know, your songs as Scots. And that is important. When a song is in one language, you don't, you didn't want to have to list it in English because these Scots songs they're not in English. Yeah. So. Um, I was—I had the support of um, Claire Adamson, great MSP for I think Motherwell and Wishaw. She's a great advocate of the Scots language and kind of always has been for as long as I've kind of uh, been in Glasgow, I think. And um, I also was attending a online showcase based in Kansas City called Folk Alliance. And it was a, a big kind of gathering. I went to the live one last year in New Orleans And um, basically, it's a showcase where lots of industry professionals are invited to watch artists from all over the the world. And um, I went to a panel and there was a woman from Spotify there. And it turns out that she was, you know, a a kind of executive editor and she worked with folk music. And I mailed her because I thought she would be sympathetic. Her job was to look after folk music. So she should understand, you know, the folk traditions and the language. And I mailed her and I said would you be able to help me with this I've been to Spotify for months and you know nothing's changed oh. it's really important that a language that 1.5 million folks speak is, is represented and uh, within two days she got back to me and said it, Scots is now listed I'm sorry it's taken so long so I went on and right enough I could change the song into Scots so that was a huge I was overwhelmed and I was really happy because the mayor you know, global platforms that list Scots, the mere argument that we hear that it is a language and should be protected and promoted as such. No. And of course, what I'm interested in is achieving a Scots language act similar to the Labour government Gaelic language act of 2005. And having big global organisations, you know, add Scots is a big statement to the government. Yeah. It's
0: a great achievement. And a
2: people- well done.
0: Yeah, people in the country will be really grateful to you for taking that on. I mean, I believe, and you've won a number of prizes for your singing, but you've also won Young Scots Speaker of the Year. It seems like just yesterday, but it was in 2019, I believe, you won Young Scots Speaker of the Year at the first Scots Language Awards and also in 2020
2: Scots Performer of the Year. Yeah, I mean, these awards are great because it shows that, you know, you're being recognised for your work. In the long run, nobody music to get awards. Well, maybe some commercial pop musicians do. But um, yeah, it was lovely that we now have a Scots language award so that folk that are writers, teachers, singers, uh, publishers, Presenters can all come together once a year and celebrate the work that we've been doing in Scots. Because, you know, when I was growing up, there was not Harry Potter in Scots, there was not Peppa Pig in Scots, there was not um, Diary of Wimpy Wayne. You know, I had very little media in Scots apart from kind of Al ballads and, you know, Ian Middleton poems and, you know, Sheena Blackall poems. I didn't have age-appropriate material that kids nowadays have. And I think it's really special and these award ceremonies are are great just to to meet other like minded people who are working within the field of the Scots language. So a big well done to Simon Tumayer at hands up for Chad for for doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm conscious when I hear you speaking that that like I come from the same part of the country as you, just ten miles away in Keith. Mm -hmm. I mean, right enough, I've lived in Glasgow for, for how many years now? About almost fifty years. So so my accent has changed. But when I go home, I kind of lapse back into speaking more in the Doric. But I'm a lot older than you, probably old enough to be a granny, maybe a great granny. Oh away go.
2: But
0: when I was at school, not only was it not encouraged and were you you were actively punished. you know, people were belted
2: for... Yeah, my mum and dad, they, they had the belt at school for speaking Scots. And Yeah, yeah,
0: and I, I
1: grew up in Fife, Iona, and my mum's actually from Montrose, so she's still, she still had that kind of quite soft, you know, Angus accent, but I grew up in Cooper, and... She didn't want me to have a Fife accent so all the way through primary school I was going to elocution classes Ugh. and and in the end I didn't I mean I had a bit of a Fife accent but you know not a very broad one but yet my grandparents spoke pr- very broad Scots Doric they were from uh, brechen Way, so it's it's a whole shift isn't it about about being slightly Embarrassed if you've got a broad Scots accent back then. I, I do not think that. that that
2: happens today as well. This idea of a Scottish cringe, but also, I mean, your mum saying that she didn't want you to speak with a fife accent is unfortunately conditioned classism. Like she had it in her mind that if you spoke with a, a fife accent, you wouldn't get far in life. But the huh? thing is, is that that classist. Uh, attitude is still here today, not with my community of practice, but with the broader t- Twitter sphere and the broader Scottish cringe. There's a lot of trolling of folk that speak Scots. But the thing is, is that it shouldn't be about class. You know, I know that the Doric was spoke by farm workers and God. fisher folk. I mean, my great God. grandfather was a grieve at Broadlands Farm next to Drumdelgate. But the thing is, is that I know folk who are doctors, PhD linguists but they speak in broad Doric. I know folk that are lawyers but they speak in Scots. We need to detach this idea of class um, with how you know with dialect and with, with language because it's it's a really old archaic notion that somebody can't speak Scots unless they're working class or unless they're lower class. The thing is, is that it shouldn't, it shouldn't be about that and it shouldn't be about politics either. I mean some of our greatest um, advocates of Doric and and Scots in the Scottish Parliament is folk like Peter Chapman, who's a a Tory MSP. It just goes to show that Scots and Doric should not be politicised. It should be for everyone. But there's some people that say, you know, it's nationalist agenda, it's SNP agenda. Yeah. We should remember that Gaelic Language Act was introduced by the Labour government. That was not SNP agenda. That that was a, a Labour policy. The why we speak, you know, it's... You can you can hear a farmer in the northeast and speak broad Doric, but he might vote Tory. You know, it's it's nothing to do with, with politics at all. It's more to do with our own cultural identity. And unfortunately, yeah. there is a situation where over in Ulster, we've got the Ulster Scots who you know believe that that. Particular dialect of Scots represents unionism and represents their Britishness. And it's all to pot, really, and it, sh- it shouldn't be politicised at all. So, um, you know, the, the work that I'm doing with our advice to get a Scots language act is about depoliticising it, having a cross party group on Scots and being able to to advise government on on how best we can get legislation passed, which says this is a language, this is how we're going to um, introduce it into education, and this is how we're going to protect it with equalities and diversity. Well, because if you are if you're looking at the BBC and you listen to the dialects of and the language of a lot of the presenters, you've got a lot of Glasgow and Edinburgh, and you've got a token Highlander, one or two. Uh, after Robbie Shepherd retired there was, oh, there's yeah. not there's not yeah. one broadcaster speaking in Doric at yeah. all. There's not many broadcasters or TV presenters with Fife dialects or Angus dialects um, or Aberdeenshire dialects so having a Scots Language Act would hopefully put into legislation that for equalities and diversity purposes we need more presenters to have these dialects, we shouldn't be classist against them there shouldn't be a stigma against folk with Fife dialects that's a thing and I just, I don't know, it's beyond me as to how, you know, folk can folk can be so um, brutal against some folk.
1: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. And actually, I suspect my, my mum, where she's still alive, would be sitting here completely agreeing with you now as well, because things shift, don't they? There's a kind of shift in, in thinking about things like that. And. So looks like we're getting somewhere with it but it's great what you're doing
0: You're certainly a very passionate advocate Iona and mm-hmm. I know that you've also sprung to the defence of another a woman, I was going to say Lassie there um, on Twitter and that's Lenny Zoris Miss Punny Penny whose mm-hmm. fantastic mm-hmm. poems in Scots have brought so much pleasure to so many people and a lot of them are very powerful as well but she has been subjected to all sorts of trolling and abuse and I wonder if part of that is you know because she's young and she's very pretty and she's a lassie or mm. is it because of this hostility towards the language or what do you think yourself I know that you've defended her and a lot of people have but you've been quite a vocal defender of her
2: I well I think it's a bit of both um, which is is really sad. Lenny or, or Len Penny, as she goes under, loads of different names. Mm-hmm. She is very careful to be quite politically neutral. She's very politically neutral. She doesn't, you know, go waving her politics about. Yet she's still trolled to high heavens. Whereas I, I'm pretty political, politically vocal. I do put my opinions about. You know, I, I deserve some of that trolling. I totally get you. But she's very, very careful. We are politics, so it goes to show that to be honest she can be as careful as she wants she's still going to be trolled by some of these some of these people because she's a lassie and because she's got a voice and because she's doing something creative and because she's speaking in Scots so a wee bit of both and I think it's it's ridiculous and you know people like Jenny Godley have been amazing for standing up for both of us and it's just great that we've been in a kind of generation where girls and women are really supportive of each other and I love I love Len's poetry. I love her Scots word of the day. I love what she's doing. She's just an, an all run Bonnie Fector. And I, I totally love that. And I think, I mean, we've got a group chat on Twitter. We speak every day. I think it's really nice that we've got a community of practice where we're, we're all f- fighting for the same cause to kind of promote Scots, whether that be through someone's poetry or through someone's singing or through someone's comedy. We're all fighting for the same thing to raise a profile of Scots. And it's, I think I come from this conservatoire education where we were all kind of conditioned to fight for yourself and kind of not pitted against saying another, but it was pretty cutthroat conservatoire, uh, stressful, high pressure mm. environment. So it's nice to just be in a community, of practice where we're all supporting each other yeah. Um, and that's certainly indicative of the, the kind of Scots language scene I was very struck by something you said earlier about how you can be highly educated and still speaking the
0: Doric and it, it made me think on something that happened if few years ago when my dad passed away, I took my mum over to Elgin to register the death and we spoke to the registrar who's got a really highly placed, very important job and he dealt with this in a very, very professional manner. But he spoke to us in Doric and can only describe it was like somebody putting their arms around you and giving you a sort of a big hug just that that mm. language made us both feel so supported he was, yeah but just that feeling of somebody speaking to you in Doric while they were doing quite a sophisticated sort of job I found it incredibly supportive at that difficult time and I think the power of language in that way is I'm, I'm not talking in Doric now but the power of that language was, was
2: a great comfort
0: to us yeah. at the time I remember yeah. it quite well no, it
2: was, but My mum is actually a registrar in Huntley okay. and, um, and she she just speaks speaks her, she, you know, she doesn't put on ears and graces and all that so I, I, sh- I should hope that she brings that Comfort to people in all, which is nice. I'm sure right. is. I mean,
1: there is there is a quite a tradition of um, a- academic interest in Scots tongue, isn't there? I mean, I was saying my two my grandparents from around Brechin they spoke Doric, and latterly they lived in Midlothian, um, and they used to get visited by researchers from Edinburgh University who'd come, and they'd just get them to talk, and they'd record it. And they asked them what they thought different words meant and how would you use it. And my granny and granddad revelled in it. Actually, they thought they thought it was great. Actually, um, uh, doing that. And then, and would be quite a, a a body of information, you know, on an academic level about the Scots tongue.
2: Absolutely. Um, one of my friends, Dr. Don Leslie, is um, she's just gotten her PhD and she is, uh, you know, teaching a lecture at Aberdeen University. So there's there's links linguists in you know in Glasgow you need to. It's it's been widely studied. Dr. Joanna Kapacik, she's um she's a Polish lassie who's got her PhD in, in Scots effectively. Um, it's a widely studied thing and of course i think it's lovely that you know my degree was traditional music with uh, the principal study being scott's song so it's it is really cool um i'm I'm delighted to be hosted well i'm launching a crowdfunder on the 22nd of march at 9 a.m i'm i'm going to be releasing an album of songs from the james madison carpenter collection and he was an american collector folklorist who came to Scotland he also went to Wales and England Um, and he collected ballads from singers in the northeast of Scotland that were never collected before or after so um, I'm going to record an album of these songs Um, however albums cost a lot and a lot of money so I've launched this it's launching on the 22nd of March at 9am and I am part of the Creative Scotland crowdfunder competition So if I raise enough through the public donations on Crowdfunder, um, then Creative Scotland might match it. So my target is to, I need to raise 10,000 pounds from 200 donors Mm -hmm. in four or five days. And if I do that within four or five days, um, then Creative Scotland might match that funding that I get but there's 19 other projects that are vying for the same funds and it's on a first come first serve basis so if anyone does want to support my crowdfunder, then please do sign up to my mailing list but it will be out on my socials at 9am on 22nd of March and if you, the first 30 donors will get a pre-release copy of Scotland YET sent to them um, but I need the support in the first four or five days to be in with a chance of getting this help from Creative Scotland. Mm -hmm. And a budget of 20,000 pounds for an album is pretty normal. It's it's around the average of what people would spend. And if I could uh, raise this, then I have the power to employ over 21 creative freelancers whose work has been impacted by COVID. So this isn't about just making an album for me. This is about helping my community and the colleagues that I've worked with over the years and providing them some vital work at a time when they can't tour live. So um, it's a really worthwhile project, which will help, you know, 20 people. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll make sure we use our social media to publicise that yeah. as much as we possibly can, Iona. And Thank so that you. is on the 22nd of March.
2: Yeah, and people can, um, you know, donate as little as three pounds and it goes right the way up. And even if you can't donate that, then just share the link. That really helps me as well. There's loads of perks. So, you know, people can get little Scots language badges sent to them, stickers, postcards, posters. Um, You can book a singing lesson with me, uh, a consultation with me about um, any creative projects that you have, a social media coaching session with me. Um, People can book Zoom gigs with me through it. Um, they can also um, have the chance to have their name embossed onto the actual album disc. So that's a really cool perk. Gig tickets, um, meet and greets. So there's loads of ways that I've tried to connect with the audiences by offering perks to this crowdfunder. funder and um, people that's, can come to me.
1: That's fantastic. Well, I'll chip in a little bit, actually, at Iona, just in memory of my granny and granddad and mum, actually.
2: <laughs> oh, that's that's very kind. Yeah. And um yeah, people can also get their their names um in the liner notes. So if you have like a, a person's name that you want memorized in the liner notes, you know, put in there, yeah. then um then that's that's also a perk. But I just it's a lot of work to to set the crowdfunded up. Um a lot of admin. But yeah, it should be live on the twenty second of March at nine a.m. Yeah. And um, the most I can, if I can get everyone to do it on that day, then I've got more chance to access the Creative Scotland funding because it's a a big competition. But it's it's really worthwhile, I think. And, you know, an album is a great step for your career. And um, I want to hire, you know, a publicist in the UK and also a publicist in America to to kind of break into the folk DJ um, world there, because there's a lot of radio stations, community radio that's playing folk music from Scotland. Uh, It's just about getting the right connection. So there's loads happening. Later on in the year, I am releasing a Scots translation of a Taylor Swift song. I'm not going to say what song yet, but um, I just want to make Scots accessible for young folk, make it cool.
0: So it's not just the music, but it's also the language. I mean, you're really, it is fantastic. And before we let you go, because I'm sure your time's precious, we'd like you to just tell us a little about the other song that you're bringing out on the 2nd of April called Scotland Yet. That's one of my all time favourite songs. I just absolutely love it, written by Davy Steele. Did you want to tell us a little bit about that song and why you chose it?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's been in my repertoire for some time now, and I was just thinking of the right time to release it. And of course, Davy wrote it in the, you know, the run up to the Scottish Devolution referendum. But I think in the run up to the 6th of May election, which is an extremely important election, um, we need a mandate in order to secure a new referendum. This election is probably the most important in probably my lifetime, Uh, I think in the run-up to that on the 2nd of April, it's a great time to release this song, which message is still relevant today. The choice will be upon us soon to set our destiny. I'll drink a toast to Scotland yet, whatever yet may be. I mean, I think uh, Folk singer Hannah Rarity, released it last month, but my version's very different. It's very upbeat. It's very, you know, we've got a string section, it's very uplifting. I didn't want to do it slow. I know that some singers have done it very slow in the past, but I wanted it to be kind of full steam ahead, power on. Um, and I did make it available to some of the SMP candidates to use uh, in their campaign videos, just in case they wanted to. So there's been a few people that's had a sneak peek of it already. But yeah, it's called Scotland Yet, and it'll be out on all platforms on the 2nd of April. But of course, 2nd of April is Bandcamp Friday, where Bandcamp gives all of the proceeds to artists and they waive their fees. So um, if you want to download it and support the artist directly, then Bandcamp is the best place to download from. On the 2nd of
0: April via Bandcamp. Well, thank you very much indeed, Iona, for speaking to us here at IndieLive.radio today and we're absolutely delighted to hear about all you're doing musically and linguistically for Scots and politically as well. So thank you very much indeed.
2: Well, thank you, Marlene and Valerie, for having me. It's it's been lovely. Nice to
0: meet you, Fiona. Today on Indie Live Radio, we have Cathy Hannaway. Hello, Cathy. Hi, there who is based up in Stornoway and who is known to us already on India Life. She's been on the radio before talking about the wonderful march for independence that she she initiated. And we also have Frances McKee. Hello Frances. Hello. Are you up in Stornoway as well, Frances?
3: No, I I live about twenty miles north of Inverness on right. in the mainland.
0: Well, that's brilliant. So it's really nice to talk to both of you today. And I'm also here with Marlene Halliday. Hi, good morning, everyone. So we're talking to you today, ladies, about this fantastic new Facebook page and project that both of you have been involved in launching. And it's called singing for an independent Scotland um, and it's really quite inspirational. So I'm not sure Cathy or Francis who would like to kick off telling us about this project, about the Facebook page and you know what what was the inspiration behind starting, starting it? What would you like to tell us about it today? Well this is actually Francis's idea. Uh,
4: this whole thing is uh, is is Francis's creation, and the rest of us really were invited to come along by Francis to help her with it. So I think I'll hand it over to Francis because this is okay. her vision.
0: So okay. I think she should explain what her vision is. Let's start with Francis then. Francis, would you like to tell us what gave you this idea and that it's really taken off? It's obviously you've touched a chord. What made you decide to start this project?
3: Well, it, it was the state of things we're at just now where Scotland's being bombarded by propaganda to make us feel that we really shouldn't press ahead with independence and it's just the minority that want it. There are so many parallels between the history of the Baltic countries and their struggle for independence against huge propaganda, which is, which is very, very similar. Um, I, I read about the singing revolution and I saw the parallels with Scotland's heritage of song and dance and language and history and I, I thought it was time for ordinary people to prove to that crowd down in London that it's not a bunch of extremists, it's just us and we want to look after Scotland and we'll sing to prove it.
0: Well said Francis. Fantastic. And so you you alluded there to the Baltic countries, so are you thinking in particular of Estonia?
3: Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania, they they all had the same links. Estonian Estonian singing revolution is what is known as the title or the name of it, but all three countries turned to their history of song, music, dance, writers, their history and that's what, that's what they used to bring themselves together and stand against the propaganda. And the propaganda was fierce because the Russian wanted to, the world to believe that it was just an unrepresentative few, but the, the, the whole idea was that the singing brought the people together and proved that wrong
0: a wonderful
3: um, inspiration it's very
0: true what you're saying i saw i saw something today i was reading somebody saying how come having want to have a referendum is constantly referred to by the tories as divisive when telling the over 50 percent of the population who want independence to shut up is fine and i, I think the idea of Touching on people's emotions by a song and music is such a wonderful idea. So tell us about the Facebook page. Was that the first thing? Because obviously, if we were not in lockdown, you would be starting to maybe meet in person and start up local groups. But a lot of it will have to be done online. You want to tell us a bit about the Facebook group is operating and how quickly it's grown?
3: Well, it grew. I'm not an expert in Facebook. Pages. That's the first thing. I didn't really know what I was doing when I started it. And I was quickly joined by a couple of people who volunteered to help, thank goodness. And the, what's turning up is a really astonishing number of people with music to offer and, and songs and and expertise. And um, at this point, I'll probably hand over to Kathy because we, we have got a project that is very much Cathy's project now that's going to take the group forward.
0: Thank you so much, And I actually found it really moving just listening to you there, that vision of, you know, using something powerful like this to counteract the what you rightly say is this wave of propaganda that's coming out. Cathy, so how are you helping Francis, get this?
4: I, I was actually invited into the group and I went along to see what the group was about and I thought, wow, yeah, okay, I'm into this. I introduced myself to the group as someone who, you know, through the Gaelic speaker, who is actively involved in Gaelic song in terms of Gaelic choirs and so on and so forth. And the next thing I got a message off, Francis, asking me would I become part of the admin team and help with teaching people Gaelic songs. And I went, whoa, hang on. (laughs) It's one thing, singing Gaelic songs. It's quite another teaching it. (laughs) And I thought, whoa, right. Okay, okay. So that was fine. So um, I asked Frances what she wanted to start with. And she said she would like people to learn the flow of Scotland and Gaelic. So I provided the group with an audio file you know, being sung in Gaelic, a phonetic file, you know, ga- you know phonetics for Gaelic mm-hmm. sound and the words in Gaelic. A couple of people have got in touch with, with private messaging, you know, for assistance, you know, in learning. I'm hoping that more will get in touch, you know, as time goes by. Anyway, that's fine. But at the moment, what, what we are going to do with the group from today is we've really got to get the group active. We're going to put together We're going to go to the group, we're going to ask people to go out and record themselves. They're going to have a week to do it, to record themselves outside and inside their home or hall or whatever, uh, recording themselves singing the Flower of Scotland. Okay? In Galat. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, they haven't learned enough yet for that. <laughs> That'll come later on. <laughs> and, uh, no, in, very much in English. The first, 30, the first 30 sets of two videos that come in, you know, the outdoor one and the indoor one, It has there has to be an indoor one as well, you know, for sound quality. And I'm hoping that the outdoor one is a visual of good scenery of what's got and looks like in all its wonder you know what I mean and those video clips will be edited to create the song being sung
0: So
4: you'll have like a montage of a whole lot of different- Like a collage of different people singing the song. And obviously they'll all be edited to precision. We're going to put that out to the group today. We're not going to be showing favouritism to over one artist over another. It's going to be very much a case of the first 30 videos that come in, first lot of 30 videos that come in. That's what gets,
0: just to be fair, you know? I think that sounds tremendous. And I know you've got some very talented singers in the group already. 822 members already. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean the, group, the group's not even
4: four weeks old yet. Frances has achieved something absolutely amazing here. This is going to be amazing when it all comes together. Can you imagine? I mean sometimes there are over 100,000 people at those marches. Frances has been on the marches. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's looking for. It's going to be phenomenal when it actually all comes together.
0: It's okay. going to be powerful. Can I interrupt you for one second, Cathy? Because I think Marlene's desperate to ask you a question
1: here. <laughs> yeah. I joined the group this morning, so haven't had much of a chance to look on it yet. But but when you're talking about getting us to sing, yeah, Flower of Scotland, Outside, Inside. I don't know if you know uh, a, a page on Facebook that's called Tunes in the Hoose and it's Scottish... Well, I I'm part of it. I play the fiddle, so they get they do the same thing. They get fiddlers and accordionists and you know all sorts, and create a montage of all of us playing a selection of tunes. It came to mind just now because how they do that: put up a recording of one person playing the tunes, and then we all listen to that as we're playing along. So I was just, um, are you going to do something like that for the singing?
4: Because you know to get us all in the same key and the same yeah i I did say to francis however this is done it's going to have to be done in the same key you know it's supposed to be a singing group so i was thinking more along the lines of no instruments if you haven't got a keyboard download a keyboard app onto your phone find the key the key will be given get the key start singing yeah,
1: so you, so so we'd all have the start, the starting notes, and then we go from yeah. that. Yeah, that that would work, wouldn't it?
4: Yeah, because it's, it's a singing group, and at the end of the day, it is a singing group, and we are all supposed to be musically enough to pull this off. I I think
1: it's a brilliant idea. I look forward to taking part.
0: So in terms of repertoire, Flora Scotland is going to be your first big one. You're going to teach what to do in Gaelic, but this project is to bring it together in English. We'll go back to Francis. We decided on what your top ten are yet.
3: Yeah, that that was one of the amazing things that happened because people started suggesting songs, and within two or three days, we'd been given the names of about 140 songs to choose from. And they keep growing because I I was saying to Cathy this morning that one of the symbols of Scotland's awakening now, I wasn't aware of this, is the number of songs that are being composed and tunes and poetry. And the the, the artistic heritage of Scotland is really busy on independence right now. So we're getting new songs all the time. And um, the group, we were going to do a poll of the whole group, let everybody vote. But because we had so many, it was going to take so long to get the first 10 chosen that the admin group have asked the membership to forbear with us. And we're going to suggest the first 10 hopefully get them learned in time for the first march which hopefully will be coming soon
0: I think that's a, a good idea for you to sort of exercise your executive control as it were <laughs> because people, people may have sp- a certain, a certain favourites but as you know yourselves I'm sure because you're experienced but I, I used to be in a choir, a political choir that sang at a lot of marches and rallies and protests songs that can sound wonderful sung by a solo performer don't necessarily, especially if they have a lot of complex lyrics, don't necessarily lend themselves well to choral singing or group singing, and especially you not know, on the march, you know, diff- you know, singing a song marching along or in the open air is a different kettle of fish from singing it inside, isn't it? So. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to hear
3: folks singing together at the next Your point is really important that the whole point of this is the power of lots of us singing. This is not for singers as such, it's for everybody to sing, which is a different thing. We want everybody in the group all 820 or so to know that they're wanted we we want them all there singing and um, we, we don't need them to be Really good at it or anything? I'm not. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> so, glad to hear um, that.
1: I'm not either. I just enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: just, just we need to get the songs that work for big crowds. And Kathy knows that from the Gaelic heritage. The the sound of a Gaelic choir in the open air singing is just so moving. That, that that's what we want to do. We want to follow that.
0: I would encourage folk to go onto your Facebook page and anybody listening to join the Facebook group Singing for an Independent Scotland because there are some wonderful clips there. There's a, a particularly wonderful one that, there, Kathy, with a whole lot of people singing outdoors at the Maud a few years ago. Oh my goodness, it's just amazing. And they, I, I can't wait really to hear folks singing at marches and together. I think I think it's a wonderful idea, Francis. So are you going to tell us what some of the top ten are or are you keeping it a secret? <laughs> I, I,
3: I listened to a wonderful song last night. We have live sessions on Sunday nights at seven o'clock every Sunday night. And when you hear these new songs coming at the live sessions, I, I keep wanting to change my mind, but Cathy <laughs> will keep me right. We've got, um, we we will rise. We've got that one, and we've got um one of the ones I love is the oh, I can't remember the names of them now. Cathy will remind me, won't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, the one the union man tells us we can't do this. Yeah, that will, we will yes,
4: watch us rise.
3: Yeah, Watch Us right, that's
4: it. By um, the Green Brown Band. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's also I Can Hear the Nation by the Green Brown Band.
3: Yeah. And Hope Over Fear, that's there. Hope um, Over Fear. Yeah. I like that one. Uh, I would need to look. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, I'm
0: sure. And you don't want to uh, let everybody know straight away. You want to keep them in suspense as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> What I was going to say was um, was that in terms of it's really interesting what you said about that a lot of the Scottish songs that people love you know are ones from long ago, but this idea that the the fight for independence is generating you know lots of new creative endeavours and. I was at a a thing a couple of years ago and it was in the department in in one of the universities in Glasgow, and it was the Caledonian University at Glasgow Cali and it's about the Department of Political Song and they've got an archive of political song and this guy did a presentation and he talked about the impact of the referendum. He showed these statistics that they, they, they did an archive of songs that were written for the referendum and the number of new songs that were written at the time for independence in favor of independence was over a hundred this was in 2014 but the number what? of songs that were written on the opposite side was three that they could find was three, <laughs> and, I thought, <laughs> and I thought that spoke volumes. You know, you really have to look very, very hard to find a creative person, an actor, a writer, a singer, a musician on the side for no. I mean, there are some. You know, there's a very prominent classical music composer, for example very unionist, but on the whole, the creative community tend to be on the yes side, don't they? What would you say to that, Francis?
3: That that's the creativity of ordinary people and that's what can't be stopped. Oh. It, it's it's I put it along with the, one of my favourite things from the referendum and I still go to it, is the what I call the rickshaw boys who arrived in the middle of Glasgow to to just show the Glasgow spirit to the idea of making Scotland bow down and do what we're told again. And the lady that climbed Edinburgh Rock, all that goes with poetry and songs and dances. And all of us, we're not in any particular party. We're just all together, standing up for Scotland and giving them an answer that we want independence. So well
0: said, Francis. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you today, and we'll be watching uh, with great interest to see what, what the next developments are because you've only been on the go for a short time and it's already taken off really well. Is there anything either yourself, Francis, or Cathy would like to say before we finish? Uh, because I think what you said there, Francis, sums it up absolutely beautifully. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm embarrassed to say that although I've been following the Facebook page, I haven't been to one of the live sessions on a Sunday yet. So I must get along to that next Sunday. I can't. I don't know why. I think it's that often there's other things happening and then you just forget. So I'll be sure to be tuning into that next week. <laughs> Kathy, any final words to the listeners? Well, I would just actually like to thank Francis
4: for inviting me on board because I'm actually thoroughly enjoying the whole thing. It's all very new and it's all very exciting and it's, it's going to be brilliant. So, Frances, thank you very much for asking
3: me on board. <laughs> I think Cathy's a driving force at the moment.
0: <laughs> oh, no. So, Frances McKee, Kathy Hannaway from Singington and Independent Scotland on behalf of Marlene Halliday.
1: Yes, it's been really really good talking to you, actually. It's very inspiring when you describe your vision for the, for this, Francis.
3: Well, I, I hope everybody will join in and give London the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you
0: so much, and we'll be watching with keen interest.
3: Bye-bye. Bye
4: now.
0: Bye now. Bye. Bye. It's been nice speaking to you all. Bye. Our next guest is Colin Burnett, who's an author and student of sociology, an academic as well. We would like to very much welcome you to the daytime show, Colin. I believe you've been on Indie Live Radio, before your work has been featured on Indie Live Radio.
5: That's right, yeah. It was about two years ago something, two, three years ago.
0: It must be quite a while ago. Um,
5: Aye, it was like... It was exactly.
0: before before Marlene and I did the daytime show, um, it was when Nori Hunter was the host.
5: That's right, Nori that right. narrated the story for me, yeah.
0: Yeah, and he read out one of your stories, and I, d- I hadn't realised until I, l- I listened to the audio version that. I had been there <laughs> and <laughs> enjoyed it very much. I didn't yes. realise until I heard the discussion and I heard my own voice that I had heard your work before. Yeah. Now I've read some of it. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about how you came to writing, how you started writing, Colin? Well,
5: um, my brother's a playwright. He's a Scottish playwright. So like when my brother started writing, he writes like working-class stuff. Like me, can't be working-class Scotland. So... That sort of sparked my interest, and in. I was always a fan of like Elvin um, Welsh and James Kelman and Dennis Galloway, stuff like that, like writers like that. So i done my dissertation at university, and it was on uh, working class uh, novelists and playwrights in Scotland today. Right. So when I was studying their works, I sort of got my interest in writing. I thought okay, I wouldn't mind trying it. So and, uh, I spoke to my bar and he said I should try it. So I just started writing, eh, and I started writing these short stories, and then started posting them online, and then people seemed to like, click quite like them so I just thought I'll carry on with it and then that's how it really mm-hmm. got started to be honest
0: So now you're going to be bringing out a book
5: I ah, that's correct Val yeah uh, June the 1st it's called A Working Class State of Mind um, it's, a, it's a short story collection but it's just like different short stories addressing like uh, different aspects of working class life and try to bring I write and I try and give like voice to the working class because I think a lot of like issues of working class, go, work class people go through are sort of bypassed so I hope my writing sort of Give, uh, gives it an outlet, so it's getting published by Lemon Books in Edinburgh, and it's out June the first. But you can pre-order it now from a from a publisher, and if you pre-order it, you're, you can uh, put a shout out in the book. But it'll be published in the twenty copy.
1: Fantastic. And and have you, whenever you started writing, did you just immediately start writing in Scots?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wanted to write in Scots. Yeah, I just that soon as uh, the first story I would written was, um, it was one that was actually ordered on the live radio. that was the first story I'd ever actually written. And, uh-huh. and Scots, and it, I think if you're going to write in, like your characters, you want to be authentic. I think if I wrote in English, I don't think it would, because I'm trying to represent like obviously myself and the people I know. So, like, none of us speak English to be honest. The people I know, so we all speak Scots. That's my I always couldn't, Scots is my first language, and English is my second. So, it always felt a natural fit to write in Scots.
1: Yeah yeah I mean I I've I, I got some of the links that you sent us about what you'd written and I was reading it cool. I, I do quite like it because when I'm when I'm reading it just to myself somewhere inside I hear the voices of people that I heard when I was wee so okay. I I grew up in Cooper in Fife Cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, I never thought it was cool actually when I was there, but yeah, actually it is. It's a lovely wee place. I know. Still a lovely wee place. Um, but you know, when you had to go to Dundee if you wanted to see the latest picture, um, it was a bit of a pain. But uh, so I do quite like it because I kind of hear echoes of really old voices, uh, you know, in 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 my life, and and that's really that's really lovely. Ah,
5: oh, that's yeah. nice to hear. Yeah. yeah. Is it? That- I think like if you're writing, kind of, like writing in Scots, I do think it gives a familiarity to people, kind of, like with the characters and stuff like that. Because well, a lot of people have commented and said that that they can like they sort of like hear like their granda speaking or their mums or dads and stuff like that. Kind of, when they read my stories, so that's quite cool. can kind of, it's uh, like you need more Scots writers. Obviously, it's our it's our first language and it gets tainted a wee bit because a lot of people see it's like a like slang or it's dialect. Uh dialect, dialect like, exactly. Well, yeah. But it's a, I think I see it language in its own right. And I mean, if you look at Robert Burns, I've made this before, like his work still celebrated like to this day and like not just in Scotland, obviously all over the world. So that shows you the power of the Scotland, uh, Scots language. I don't really see it just as a language for Scotland. I think it's a language like the whole world could enjoy.
0: Another guest on the show today is Iona Fife. Um, Hi, I've
5: had a couple of interactions with Iona and um, I'm a big fan of her her singing. I think she's a class singer. She's a great advocate of the Scottish language.
0: And in her interview, she speaks about the fight with Spotify to have Scots classified as a language because previous to that she said that when she searched the list of languages to uh, list her songs, she found Manx, Cornish, even the languages of Guernsey and Jersey but wasn't there and so she campaigned and he uh, contacted them and eventually uh, sh- she t- goes into detail about how she achieved it. She that's has be- been successful so that's
5: quite a that's bit. Well, definitely that's a great that's a great um, I, I did see it on Twitter actually I was about that I thought that was great what she was doing because as I mean like people like all in the world speak Robert Burns on like like New Year's uh, Eve so again as is, a like people speak all the well. time like everybody in the world is sort of familiar in some sort of way. So it's ridiculous that it wasn't actually included on Spotify for it originally. I mean, it's,
0: Absolutely.
5: Uh, it's, it's mental when you think about it.
0: So how about um, this idea of using Scots as an authentic voice?
5: Yeah.
0: Um, does that tie in with your study of sociology? You know, your study of social I, class? How, do, yeah. how does that tie in?
5: Well, if you' look, there's a theorist that's called, um, I'm not sure if you have familiar with but pure Bourdieu. Um, sociological theorists, and he always placed like an importance on uh, language, especially when it comes to like social class. So when uh, like, I was studying obviously sociology, I took a lot of what I learned in sociology and applied it to my fiction, because I saw I could my my fiction a sociological fiction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, studying uh, sociology definitely influenced the way I, I seen it, because I think if you, I think people sort of just accept the oppression. So even if it's like the Scottish language, and I, I, my, I myself done that as well, because like I would go to university and I would sort of change my my speech to mimic English uh, when I was in like university. But when I was outside of university, I would go back to speaking sort of Scots. So um, sociology definitely opened my eyes and to like the importance of language and the way that we sort of freely produce our own oppression. So I it off, just went go into mode and we just go along with it. But I think sociology helped me stop to think about it. And then, I, then obviously I started in Scots and stuff like that to try and sort of counteract System, because I put them on me.
0: So maybe it made you look at it in a more analytical way, you know? Yeah, it's...
5: yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So where do you get the inspiration for your short stories?
5: Like I said, like my brother, he's a writer, so he writes about working for Scotland as well. And, and obviously, like urban welds and stuff like that. But I don't know, I, I always think some of it's based on my own experiences, but then like I take parts of people I sort of know I've came across in my life. And then, like, I think, like, uh, like I wrote about like, the welfare system because I've had experience with that myself and like how kind of like they treat people. So I wrote like a story about that as well. Um, I've done one about gambling addiction. I'm not like, I'm not a gambling addict, but I know people okay, like in the bookies and stuff like that and kind of, they'll go in and they'll put all their wages. So I, th- I think that's an important aspect of working class life, especially amongst younger people. And I don't think it gets the coverage that it gets. So like, I've, I don't know, I took like, Different aspects of working class life, and just trying to apply it to like my, my my stories.
0: Do you think that um, the recognition of other authors that write in Scots has helped? For example, it's not. I mean, it's not totally in Scots, but the the high profile, like Douglas Stewart winning the Booker Prize yeah, for *Shaneen*. Yeah. What did you yeah. think? What was your reaction to that?
5: I thought that was brilliant because I think it, as a writer it gives you confidence that again, that you can you can achieve what you want even if you're writing in Scots and stuff like that because like I, I've said before like um, writing in Scots I don't see it as a, as a disability I see it as like a kind of like so I think when you see like Douglas Short and stuff like that uh, getting the recognition that the, like they rightly deserve, it does give you confidence as a writer that you can do something with your work and you're not going to be like handicapped because you're writing in Scots or writing about working class life.
1: I, th- I think sometimes it adds. um Emotional richness to it that yeah, yeah. you know that you, you, so, something gets communicated. I mean, I suppose it only gets communicated to Scots people, but that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I get, you get a richness of, um, communicated through it when someone's using Scots that maybe. It's not that it's not there if it was in English, but it's just a bit different. It kind of, in my experience, it just goes in a bit deeper. And like I was saying, you know, it's sort of, I get echoes back from, you know, when I was wee, growing up in in, in Fife, um, in that sort of way, or my mum's from Angus. So I get a similar kind of emotional connection and it's very strong, actually. It's very deep set and it is all to do with being Scottish.
5: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I, I, mean, I remember like I translated one of my stories so I just thought I'll try it to translate it to English. Uh, and I was reading that, I was like, and I at the end it just didn't have the same feeling for me than I did when I wrote it in Scots. And at the end it doesn't, because I think like when I write about like working class Scotland, obviously like um, Scots is the true voice of the working class in Scotland. Uh, like I see it like that. So I think like if I wrote in English, I think it doesn't seem like, doesn't carry the same sort of weight that it does in Scots. Yeah.
0: yeah. Sense. And Colin, um, there has been some incidences of a bit of a backlash, uh, you know, on social media and in the press, um, uh, from people in the media criticising the use of Scots, trying to make out that it's not a language, to denigrate it, if you like. Yeah. What What's your views on that?
5: I think it's ridiculous because I think if, like, I wrote a piece, I was like, it wasn't like a short story, but it was an academic piece called the Scottish Cultural Cringe. And that was basically saying like how Scots internalise their own inferiority when they compare the culture to like English, England, sorry. And you've got like the political elite in Scotland, so not all of them, but similarly like you go to that George Robertson, he said, Scotland's not got a language or a culture. And I think if you've got people like that, that's sort of high profile, like sort of yeah. looking on those down at sort of Scots, Yeah. Like that just sort of sets a precedent amongst actual general population, because if you're looking at your political elite and they're saying you like, the language doesn't count. And, the culture can doesn't exist, then people sort of internalize that. But I think if you've got like people writing in Scots, uh that do like different things for the language, then it sort of counteracts that. Because there was a theorist in sociology called Antonio Gramsci and he always said that that he, like, the working class need their own sort of counter movement towards the elite. Like like they're trying to press down a culture. So I think that I, I always found that quite interesting. It sort of gives you a sort of idea what the the elite are
0: trying to do. It is really important that the government take a lead about culture and yeah. law, isn't it? Marlene, I think you had something about that, didn't you? You had noticed something in the Scottish Parliament. Uh, yes, I did,
1: and um, it was just yesterday uh, that um, one of the MSPs, Emma Harper, she's a MSP for South Scotland, she, she lodged a motion to Holyrood, and the motion is called promoting the Scots lead. Yeah. And so it's in English, it's a sort of moderate sized paragraph. And then she provided a version in Scots as well. And cool. it's been, I'm just looking at it now, at, at that point, it had been supported by um, various other MSPs. Oh, good, including mine, Bill Pidd. Um, cool. I think it picks up on a few things that you've touched on because, um, so it says... Uh, Oh, I might as well try and read it in the Scots. Okay, here it goes. <laughs> so I've, it says every,
0: I've got every confidence in your mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm just summing up I'm summing up Cooper and Castle Hill Primary School here. So it says that the Parliament gives its support to future government moves for to promote the use of Scots lead in Scots public and private airs, <laughs> both in spoken and screw forum by in primary, secondary and tertiary education, television and print media, and in this parliament recognises that the use of Scots in the media is a muckle driver or a sense of inclusion for Scots speakers, and a tax tent of the value of Scots learning initiatives, such as the Scots Language Award, in shrinking the attainment gap. And, and then it goes on a bit after that. But I think that picks up on some of what your sociological kind of
5: background yeah, yeah, is I'm, in, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. I'm glad you pointed out, because I'm going to check it out. I didn't realise that she had put that motion in. I, didn't, uh, I haven't came across that, so that's mm-hmm. cool.
0: Ruth. In actual fact, it's been shared on, you'll find it on Iona Five's Twitter feed. Cool,
5: I'll, I'll check that out. Uh, one of the other things I think, like they always try and push the Scottish language down, kind of like more like the sort of British government is, because I think if the Scotland has got their own language, then it sort of breaks away from the sense of Britishness, because uh, like we've got our own, kind of like they try and get us to speak English, kind of like, this, like over the centuries. So I think that's a manoeuvre, because I think if Scotland had has its own language, then it ties into the independence movement. I think. It's always said on Twitter that Scots language is one of the biggest social class issues in Scotland today. And I think that it sort of ties in with the independence thing because once we have our own language and culture, then people start believing more in Scotland than they do like in, as part of Britain. And I think yeah. that's sort of why discouraging Scots keep, keeps away to sort of glue Britain together. Uh, Indeed. <laughs>
0: We're only looking at a couple of centuries, really, since, well, a few centuries since. The use of Gaelic and the wearing of the tartan and so on was yeah. legally banned, and we, yeah. and within our lifetime, Marlene and I, um, you know, it's not that long since kids were actively punished and belted at school for using Scots.
5: Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that again, like today. You know. But I'm glad that like things are starting to move forward. Like, like there is a progression happening with the Scots
1: language. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, as, like, as Val just said, that definitely happened. You know, you were, you, you kind of caught it a bit at school for using Scots. Now yes. I must say that didn't ever happen in my experience. I have no memory of that ever happening in any of the, well, primary school in Cooper and Fife and then secondary school in Perth. And I mean, if I think about Cooper, there was one primary school, all the kids in Cooper went to that primary school. So one of my pals was also the son of a GP and one of my other pals lived up the road from a granny and his dad ran a solicitor's practice and it was just, everybody was there. So we all must have had North Fife accents. I mean, there was no way we couldn't have. We We all grew up there. And I have no sense at all of... Well, certainly it was never commented on, but I've no sense at all of it ever being anything out of the ordinary, you know. And yet, if I go back, um, well, like if I hear yourself speaking um, just now, Colin, or or other folk who've lived um, in Fife, I definitely hear the Fife accent. Um, So it's just that kind of strange thing, language and and accents, isn't it? No, I definitely. how it kind of intertwines with you know our upbringing, what we think, and the assumptions we've got, and and yeah, as Val says, in some instances, kind of trying to squash it.
5: Ah, yeah, it. yeah. Is it like, like I said? I wrote that piece about the Scottish culture thing, and that's what I was. Sorry about it's like how well, it wasn't just about the Scottish language, but. Um, it was a big part of it, and it was just like how they have tried to suppress it over the centuries. Like I, like I said before, like that uh, George Robertson saying that like, well, Scotland's not got language, not got a culture. And I think Galloway said, George Galloway said the same thing. Not that many people in Scotland are listening to it, but it's <laughs> the fact that it's like that political elite, can they try and push us down in like yes. their own political elite. So I think when you've got like figureheads like that try to suppress their own culture and own language, and it sort of filters through to the general population because I well, if they don't think we've got one then we must have one It must be slang or a dialect of english
1: yeah yeah uh, it's right. and i i was um I've, during the lockdown of the past year as you know do something so i started yeah. learning gaelic on duolingo oh, yeah. and i've got some friends who are also doing it and we have a wee sunday morning group where we yeah. try and get a bit forward and actually some of the things that i've i've been struck by that is the amount of words that I know from my mum and my dad and my grandparents as Scots words, and they're obviously English Scots versions of Gaelic words. You know, like the Gaelic word for trousers is breekish. Okay, oh. That's obviously breeks.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And, and there's there's loads of examples like that, and um, I I just kind I've just found. I mean I've enjoyed learning I'm enjoying learning the Gaelic but I'm also really enjoying having a better understanding of the kind of intertwining there is in Scotland between Gaelic and Scots and and into English as, yeah, as, yeah. as well that's good yeah yeah say. it's
5: fascinating it's, it's, I've, n- I've never really tried to learn Gaelic or like Kingly but it also was something I've always been interested in because obviously it's in the same boat as like, like the Scots language kind of, it's been suppressed so it's, i would definitely love to check up and Garlick, because I've seen people, a lot of people talk about it on Twitter and that, but it's not really certain I've looked at it. but I will do that.
0: So um, your collection of short stories is out on the 1st of June clock. Yeah,
5: yeah, really so buzzed about so
0: that. What's your plans for the future? What's your next project? Have you got anything in mind, or are you <laughs> having a wee hiatus at the moment? <laughs>
5: well, uh, um, I'll get this book in the way. I'd love to try a novel. That's, that's one of the things I really want to do, because... Uh, I wanted to use like this as a sort of platform, as like get like yeah, like oh, so I, I love writing like, short stories, but a novel. I don't know. There's always some something about that. I've always thought I wouldn't mean trying it. So I think that'll be the next thing I'll do. Well, I'll at least try, and I think well, I can pull it off. I don't know. <laughs> well,
0: it's been great speaking to you today. Oh and- yes, what do you mean, used to? We we'll, we'll, we wish you all the very best with your collection of short stories, and we're going to play a music request by Masters of Folk. His Master's Voice. Do you yeah. want to tell us why you've chosen this one?
5: Um, well, it's sort very of ties to the working class thing because always like you know, like his Master's Voice, you hear his Master's Voice. I always like that idea, but like I said, like before the Free Bulbors film, I, I remember when I watched that, I loved that song. So it's always one that stuck in my head. Yeah. So we're going to play that now.
0: Thank um, you. We'd just like to thank you very much, Colin Burnett, for speaking to us today, and we'll look forward to your collection of short stories coming out in June. And
1: thanks yeah. for having me on. It was great really, to meet you. Really nice to meet you, Colin. Hi, so yeah. Marlene. Thank you. Thanks for having
0: me Bye. on. And now for some poetry. First of all, our, one of our radio team members here at Indie Live Radio, James Elliott, will recite a poem by Matt McGinn, The Big F and B. And that'll be followed by one of the Klax women for Dindy members, Lorraine Sinclair, performing Scott Swahi.
6: The Big F and Bee by Matt McGinn. He kept bees in the old tune of Effin, An effing beekeeper was he. And one day this effing beekeeper was stung by a big effing bee. Now, this big effing beekeeper's wee and wife, for the big effing Polish she ran, for there's nobody can sort out a big effing bee like a big effing policeman can the big effing policeman he did his nut and he ran down the main effing street and his hand was a big effing baton and he had big effing boots on his feet the police got hold of this big effing bee and he twisted the effing bee's wings but this big effing bee got his own back for this big and bee had two things. Now they're both in the effing museum where the effing folk often come see the remains of the big effing polis stung to death by a big and bee. That's the end of that wee effing story. Tis an innocent wee effing tale. But if you ever tell to an effing you'll end up in the old effing jail. Thank you.
7: Scots wa he where Wallace bled, Scots Bruce has aft and led, welcome to your gory bed, or to victory. Now's the day and now's the hour. See the front, O oh, battle lower. See approach Proud Edward's power, chains and slavery. Wa would be a traitor knave. Wa would fill a coward's grave Why bases be a slave Let him turn and flee Why for Scotland's king and law Freedom's sword would strongly draw Free man stand and free man fall Let him fall wi me By oppression's woes and pains by your sons in servile chains We will drain our dearest veins But they shall be free Lay the proud usurpers low Tyrants fall in every foe Liberties in every blow Let us do or die. Scots wahay, hey, wi' Wallace bled Scottswam Bruce has aft and led. Welcome to your gory bed or to victory.
1: You're listening to Indie Live Radio, and we've just come to the end of today's daytime show. That's all for just now from myself, Marlene Howardy, and Valerie Gold. We'll be back next week. See you then.